everybody, Dr. Axe here. Uh, today I've got a special guest. It's Jeff Catch, and today we're going to be talking about uh, regenerative agriculture. We're going to be talking about healing your body using food as medicine. And uh, uh, Jeff is part of the Rodale Institute. And you've probably heard the name Rodale. I mean, from it, we've stemmed things like uh, different types of magazines and publishing companies and things like that in the past over the years as well. Uh, but we are going to dive in and talk about regenerative agriculture. And you guys may know this, but myself and Jordan Rubin co-own about 5,000 acres of certified organic land where we do permaculture, we do, we grow moringa, we grow uh, our own hemp and CBD plants, elderberry, all kinds of things, but excited to have an expert on the line with us. Uh, Jeff, hey, welcome to the show. Hey, Dr. Axe, what an honor it is to be here today with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, Jeff, I wanna dive right in. You know, one of the things I was so intrigued by is reading about up on your childhood and what sort of led you into, you know, being part of Rodale as a company. Talk to me about what got you, you know, into this, uh, you know, regenerative agriculture, I guess food is medicine, uh, sort of, uh, you know, company. I actually, there's really two, two major phases to my own health journey. The first started as a young adolescent where uh, I grew up um, in a household raised by wonderful parents, but had a number of health issues at an early age. Um, things like asthma and, and severe allergies that led me to, to ultimately become obese. And somewhere around the age of 13, I just sort of had this light bulb moment. It was my own personal epiphany. Uh, where I told my parents, I don't want to live this way anymore. And I believe that food could be my path to healing. So uh, I remember very distinctly as a 13-year-old boy, literally giving my mom a article that I read in a magazine called Men's Health, which I later learned was published by this publishing company called Rodale. And I said, Mom, I want you to go and buy me everything that's on this grocery list because I'm going to change the way that I eat. And I think she was dumbfounded by that, but encouraged. And she went out and did exactly that. And I put myself on a new diet, a new lifestyle. I started exercising and little by little, I, get all, I got off all of the medications, all of the asthma and allergy drugs that uh, conventional medicine was asking me to take that were actually making me feel worse. And by the time I hit my teenage years, I was completely free of that. So then if you fast forward to uh, in my, my years in college, I pursued a degree in marketing. And as I came to the end of those four years in college, I decided, well, where can I possibly work? that would allow me to marry my passions for health and wellness with my background and my, my education. And it landed me on this media company in Eastern Pennsylvania called Rodale, uh, where I ended up spending about 16 years of my career. And during that time, I became publisher of several of the products, the magazines and, and brands that were run by Rodale, which were some of the most respected health and wellness products out there, like prevention and organic gardening. Uh, and while I, through the context that, of that work, it ultimately led me to this nonprofit organization called Rodale Institute, which I'm imagining we're going to get into here on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I, I think it's always great when you get to work in your area of passion, right? I know for myself, man, I love what I do every single day, being able to lead a team, teach people, you know, the principles of natural health. Uh, you know, formulate some transformative, you know, natural nutritional health products. And I, and again, I, I love being able to hear when somebody is in their area of passion. I know one of the reasons you're so passionate is, again, I know you had a health struggle. One of the things I remember reading about is, you know, you were sort of in this conventional medical system would diagnose with things like Lyme disease, weren't getting better. You know, I, I, t tell me about that and how you got well. Yeah, yeah that came later. So as I mentioned a moment ago, there's, there was really two, two major um, 
defining moments in my life. The first one came at a young age that set me on the path to work in the publishing industry. But uh, about three and a half years ago, um, I was at I was really at the zenith of my career in the in the media industry. Uh, at the time, I was serving as the um, one of the top officers of Rodale Inc., which was the publishing company started by our founder J.I. Rodale, and I was running a, an entire division of the company. And uh, I'll mention that during that same year, I got invited to serve on the board of directors of the Rodale Institute, which is the nonprofit that J.I. Rodale started. And around October of 2016, I became mysteriously ill. Um, I, I have always been a very proactively healthy person, physically fit, followed a good diet and lifestyle, but I fell ill one day. And um, I really, honestly, I made the mistake of not having a good family doctor. Uh, so I went to a general practice doctor I was referred to, and he started trying to uh, diagnose what was wrong with me. And we did a lot of blood work and a lot of other diagnose, uh, a lot of other investigative stuff. And ultimately the doctor couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Nothing was coming up in the blood work. And um, there was no glaring sign of what had made me fall ill. And this lasted for weeks where I was going back and forth to his office. I was taking time off of work, uh, was having incredible symptoms like severe fever, chills, body aches, uh, hallucinations. I was having bizarre health, health symptoms. And by the end of about a 60 day period, the doctor literally had nothing he, more he could do for me. He literally wrote me off and and said, uh, I think that this is severe depression and anxiety that you're that you're facing. And he said, this is the, all I could offer you is a, a prescription to an antidepressant. And it was one of the scariest moments of my life because here I was completely sick. I had no, no answers for why I felt sick. And this doctor was convincing me that it was essentially all in my head. So by January, I was forced to go on medical leave. This would have been January, 2017. And um, I, it was in that moment that I realized that if I was going to get better, I was going to have to take health into my own hands. Oddly enough, um, during this time of being isolated at home, much like we're in today, uh, I was doing a lot of reading and kind of becoming my own health de detective. And most of the content that I landed on was yours. And so I began to uh, do things like put myself on a bone breath, bone broth fast, and began to incorporate herbs and other types of things. And ultimately. Uh, through watching your content, it, it led me to what's called functional medicine. So I sought out a functional medicine doctor. And by February, I got in to see who is now my doctor and my primary caregiver, who is an amazing man. And he practices functional medicine, which uh, now in my mind, functional medicine is very analogous to regenerative agriculture. It's a biological systems-based approach, approach to medicine much like regenerative agriculture is a systems-based approach to agriculture. And so my doctor uh, was able to run a number of diag uh, diagnostics and he tested, tested me positive for Lyme disease, as well as severe um, toxicity from some other drugs that the former doctor had put me on. So I, had, I was taking a product called um, ciprofloxin. It's a and a broad spectrum antibiotic that a former, the former doctor put me on, and it led to something called fluoroquinolone toxicity. So now I was dealing with this chronic Lyme disease, plus my mitochondria and other parts of my body being damaged. And I, it was in that moment that I realized if I was going to get better, it was going to have to be almost like farming my body back to health. Wow. I love that analogy, by the way, because I mean, there, there are so many, you know, I've used the analogy of our gut essentially being like a garden, right? You got to have good soil, probiotics, things in order for us to grow health. So again, I, I love the uh, love the garden analogy, which is so great in terms of when we're talking about uh, 
regenerative agriculture here as well, as we'll dive into here in a minute. And by the way, so how, how is your health now? So, so talk to me a little bit about, and what do you think, what were the biggest things you did, maybe the top three things that you felt like these were game changers for your health? Absolutely. Uh, the number, so today, uh, I would say that most days when I'm keeping my stress relatively low and I'm really sticking to the diet and lifestyle that I believe is best for me, I'm about 95% symptom free. Some days I feel hundred percent symptom free. Wow. Uh, the, the number one thing first and foremost is diet. I, I changed my diet 100%. Uh, when I began to really, uh, follow a protocol, uh, that was, you know, obviously hundred percent organic food, uh, no gluten, no dairy, um, uh, nothing that would cause any kind of autoimmune, uh, spike, uh, so uh, no, sh keeping my sugar very low and um, focusing on whole foods that, that were nourishing for my body. That was really the number one thing. Uh, number two was really detoxification. Uh, my doctor was inviting me to use things like uh, IV therapy and uh, sauna treatments and just moving, moving my body, getting outside, exercising. And uh, little by little, it was really those things that kind of began to peel back the layers of the onion. Um, it wasn't a quick fix. It took a while to really start coming around, but I would say that uh, diet, lifestyle, and herbal therapy were really the three main drivers for me getting on the road to health. Well, I love it. And what, what you're sharing is we're talking about Lyme disease. This is what I found when I was in functional medicine practice years ago. And as I've, you know, taken care of a few people over the years here now, what I found to be, you know, as we're talking about Lyme disease, it's just, it's so in line with what you're talking about. Stress is a huge deal. You know, if people are living in a state of fear, worry, anxiety, we have to start focusing on these positive emotions, practice on forgiving, get a, getting rid of things from the past, and uh, getting rid of past shame, hurt, guilt, and, and living and thinking about and hoping in the future. So important. Number two, you know, certain herbs were used in Chinese medicine that I think are super effective for Lyme disease. Astragalus is so powerful when we're talking about it and certain other nutrients that you're talking about. And of course, food, right? We got to get the right foods in our diet, get rid of the sugar, get more of the healthy fats and the healthy collagen, that sort of things. Magnesium rich foods are fantastic there as well. So, and one of the things that I have read over the years that I love that the Rodale Institute puts out is really talking about our food system. So once the, one of the things, of course, you mentioned was food. Here's the thing, though. They're, they're, the food is so much worse today in terms of our options, right? But also, our soil is depleted, correct? Like, I think it's a very small percentage of our soil today is actually nutrient-dense, very small percentage organic. Go through some of those numbers with me and talk to me about how our food is actually less nutritious today because of the state of our soil. Yeah, uh, yeah, sh absolutely. And I want to dive into that. I want to also mention too that it was really in that, that, dark, that dark moment of my life with my health collapse where I said to myself through a lot of deep prayer and deep listening and meditation that I'm ready to pivot my career to do something um, that would really be like a way of coming out of this, this really dark place and bringing my light, my, um, all that I learned through this health collapse to bear, uh, for the Rodale Institute. So it was in March of that year that I pivoted away from my publishing career to become one of the leaders of the Rodale Institute because of uh, all that I learned through dealing with my own health collapse. I was able to clearly see Dr. Axe the perils of industrial agriculture, as well as kind of running side by side and congruent with the perils of conventional medicine. I, I saw a lot of similarities in, from, that I've learned from my own experience. And 
um, when I was serving on the board of directors of Rodale Institute, I came across a couple of facts. And one of them is that you know, this is a UN study. The United Nations has re recently come forward with science that is saying that if we continue to farm the way we farm using chemical conventional methods, we have about 60 irritable growing seasons left on planet Earth, like 60 years until it's lights out, until we can't produce food for our populations. And so it was that was really like an eye opener to me where I thought, how can I become part of the redemption here? How could mm -hmm. I begin to use my gifts and my abilities to help our organization become a catalyst for change, which is what the Rodale Institute is. We're a nonprofit research organization devoted to doing the necessary science to help farmers all over the world transition away from chemical dependency to these regenerative methods. And so we're, and we, we certainly can dive into the kinds of science we're doing, but one of them is, is, is around this area of nutrient density. A lot of the studies we're doing at the Rodale Institute are growing uh, conventional, let's just use vegetables. We have a, a study called the Vegetable Systems Trial, which is a side-by-side -side comparison of or organic, regenerative organic vegetables grown directly next to plots that are sprayed with Roundup and glyphosate and atrazine and all, all, all the chemicals that you would normally see in conventional uh, vegetable production. And we're, we're collecting data. We're, we've, we're collecting now years of data and sending that off to laboratories and we're analyzing the differences in these types of production methods and what it ultimately means to the phytonutrients and the micronutrients of those foods. And in summary, what we're finding is that these two systems are dramatically different. Like what we're producing, what we call food in these conventional systems, it's, it's really not what you think you're eating. So, um, you know, we're seeing dramatic differences in nutrient levels in, 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 in the way in which these foods are grown. Wow. Well, I know another thing that's really interesting when you look at our cropland, um, let, let me ask you, what percent is organic today? Because I know for myself, I'm a big consumer of organic foods uh, and I recommend organic foods, but about what percent in the U.S. of food is organic? Yeah, currently, uh, well, 1% of all farmland in the United States is certified organic. So only one, a mere 1% is certified organic. 6% wow. of our total... 6% of the total food purchased at the grocery store at the grocery store is certified organic and 15% of all produce that we purchase is certified organic. So there 80% of all households in the United States have purchased at least one certified organic item in the last month. So in some ways there's a high degree of participation. Um, however, we're, in, we're having to net import most of the organic food we're consuming. Mm. So we have consumer demand but we haven't been able to help enough farmers make the leap and the transition to begin to produce the food that we want to purchase. You know, one of the things I know that's really common in America today is we, we, we produce a lot of cereal grains. Yes. You, you know, wheat, for example, is, is, is uh, one of our largest crops, corn. So talk to me about uh, what, what percentage of cereal grains are we growing? And then how do those compare the nutrient density of these grains to, you know, vegetables? Yeah, I mean, the, the big commodity crops that we grow around the United States and around the world are corn, soy, and wheat. Uh, you know, most of the, and, and the, all of that which we grow is, most of it in the United States doesn't even go to food consumption. So a lot of the corn and the soy that we're growing are going to things like industrial applications and glues and dyes and pigments and paints. Uh, I'll just give you one example, Dr. Axe, in, in Iowa, where Rodale now has a satellite campus, 98% uh, of the 
quote, food that is grown in Iowa doesn't stay in Iowa. So most of the corn and soy is getting exported. It's getting exported for industrial applications, applications and industrial uses. And people that live in the state of Iowa in most places cannot buy fresh organic food anywhere. So wow. that's pretty sad. I mean, that's pretty sad. So yes, we're, we are a lot of the grains that we're growing. They, some of them end up in our processed foods. A lot of the cereals that we see in the grocery store aisles are genetically modified. They're, they're grown in a, in a very non-regenerative manner using a chemical intensive high tillage agriculture. Um, and the nutrient density of those grains is little to none, little to none. Wow. Yeah. And one of the things I know, obviously, you know, I've encouraged over the years is we got to get more vegetables and fruits. I mean, that seems so common sense, but right? yet today people are consuming so many grain products still in everything they eat when they know your diet primarily should be, should be consuming vegetables more than anything. Some fruit, especially berries, getting more of these, these in our diet is so important. Hey guys, if you've been following me for a while now, then you know what a big fan I am of collagen. There are so many benefits, including better joint health, gut health, better skin, hair, and nails, and so much more. And now it's easier than ever to get your daily dose with my new multi-collagen capsules from Ancient Nutrition. These capsules contain a unique blend of fermented collagen inspired by ancient principles, including type 1, 2, 3, 5, and 10 collagen. Whether you're looking for a balanced whole body wellness, a more restful night's sleep, better beauty that radiates from the inside out, or healthier gut or joints, Ancient Nutrition's multi-collagen protein line can provide the support you need. Learn more about these benefits by searching Ancient Nutrition multi-collagen capsules on Google, Amazon, or DrAxe.com. You know, it's so interesting as well due to the way that our, our farming is set up with doing all of these grains, you know, it's displacing uh, trees. You know, I've heard people say before, it's, uh, and everybody has their, you know, different opinion, but that consuming meat is bad for the environment. In fact, in consuming meat is good. If you're eating wild, consuming, you know, wild Absolutely. grazing animals, talk to me about that, about which is worse for the environment, consuming grains and grain farming or wild caught meat? Oh my gosh. Well, that's a great question. I think we have become so divorced as a society about where our food comes from and how it was produced that most people don't even understand how farming works. Mm -hmm. um, you know, farming yeah. is a biological process that involves both animals and humans and, um, and, and, and soil, connection to soil. And so, uh, you know, regenerative agriculture is a systems-based approach to growing food, to producing food that works in harmony with nature. So it involves animals in a system. It involves, um, animals play a key role in agriculture. They, um, we do a lot of studies at Rodale that are looking at ways that animals actually improve soil health. So when you do high intensive grazing on land that you were just growing uh, a rotation of grain, small grains on, when you bring those animals through, it's actually putting more nutrients into the soil which is then drawing carbon out of the atmosphere and storing it at deep depth. So, you know, agriculture, we can actually eat our way out of this whole climate change, mm -hmm. uh, you know, crisis that we face. So um, yes, animals are a key system or are a key component to the system. And 
you know, we look at um, different animals raised on pasture and the nutrient density of the meat, when, when you actually take animals out of confinement and put them on healthy soil, healthy pasture, getting them eat, uh, eating a diet that they, mother nature always intended them to eat, that food becomes some of the most nutri nutrient dense food one could possibly consume. It's powerful. I know just to share a story, Jordan, Ruben and I, uh, when Jordan purchased, first purchased our property in Missouri, it was like a barren wasteland. I mean, it was, it was very, it was dirt, it was rock. And the owner said, Hey, it's probably always going to be like this. Well, with our cattle, uh, we followed, we went to New Zealand or Jordan specifically went to New Zealand and learned something called the ultra high density grazing method. And we yes. had the cows start grazing on this, you know, just, I mean, again, there's a little bit of grass yeah. by one year later, it was lush green as thick as you've ever seen any grass ever. Literally, we're talking about, uh, you know, hundreds of acres. I mean, sure. so, so it's just so That's powerful awesome. as well, how fast you can change the soil, but also, you know, how far we are from where we need to be. I mean, today, as you're saying, the carbon that we're missing, the nutrients we're missing in the soil, it's, you know, and, and again, I'm, Listen, everybody has their opinion about climate change. I'm not talking about that necessarily, but I will say this, you can change climate in an ecosystem through farming. Like Absolutely. we found, you know, when you're growing more, the more grass that's in the area, actually the more it'll rain. A lot of yeah. times, the more certain animals will come there. It's a lot of the stuff you're saying. Well, and, and, and just the opposite is true. We're seeing that in the Central Valley in California. You know, we've, we've changed entire weather patterns because of the way we manage farmland. Yeah, we have lit. We have literally, and the reason it's not raining in California, or we're seeing such inconsistencies in weather patterns, is because of how we've changed agriculture in that very once very lush region is now almost becoming a desert wasteland. Um, yeah, you know, it's also most people don't realize they, how is it that we have some of the most fertile land, soils uh, in the Midwest. We're, and by the way, we've we are so depleting those soils in the last thirty to fifty years, but. The reason that they became so lush and fertile in the first place is because we had natural natural migrate, migration patterns from Florida to uh, Saskatchewan or to Montana of bison that were for thousands and thousands of years were migrating over the Midwest and ruminating, eating and pooping, eating and pooping. And that's what built some of the most lush soils in the world. I couldn't agree more. And you know, if people are, are talking about climate change, I want to say this, the thing that is actually like, you know, the air pollution and some of what we have going on there obviously isn't the best. And that, that, that can affect our environment. But in terms of the climate, not as much. What's, what's affecting our climate regionally, if anything, is our farming. You know, there are companies, of course, we could talk about, I'd love to hear your thoughts on companies like Monsanto. Like, what, what, what are they up to today? How they're hurting our farmland? Because there's no doubt that what we're doing to the soil today with, you know, with the other thing too, just to throw this out there, if you look at ancient practices of agriculture, now some of this is from the Bible, but they would rest the land every seven years and they would rotate crops and they would less. Today, it's, we're going to plant soybeans and take every last piece of nutrient out of the soil. And then we're going to have plants that essentially have no nutrients and that's what we're eating today. So sorry, that's my own little tangent, but just to say, Jeff, like I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, the state of our soil you talked about, but also which companies today are destroying the earth the most? Mm, wow, that's a big question. And by the way, I completely agree with everything that you that you just said. Um, well, basically, most of the major food companies 
Um, and by the way, I think we all vote with our dollar every moment of every day. Right. So we as consumers, we choose. We, we've decided as a society that, that we want cheap food. Uh, in 1960, we were spending twice as much on food than we were on healthcare. Today, we're now spending 3.2 trillion on healthcare to our 1.6 trillion on food. So we are still paying. We're still paying. We're just paying, you know, on the back end. We're paying for it in other places. We've externalized the price of food. We've so therefore, you know, multinational companies in the name of profits have responded, and they've produced what we asked for: cheap food. Um, and the chemical, you know, the chemical industrial chemical agricultural companies. Um, such as Bayer Chemical, which is formerly Monsanto, are, um, you know, frankly, are, it, it's a little scary. It's a little frightening what they're doing. Um, you know, they were purchased by Bayer. So now the world's largest food company, Monsanto, was purchased by the largest pharmaceutical company, Bayer. And um, in some ways, they have a monopoly on our food system. And in some ways, they're one of the largest players in our in our healthcare system. So, you know, they're forcing this cheap nutrient deficient food on us. We get sick, and then where do we go? We go to the doctor, and we, 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 you know, we have we, we become ill with diabetes, and um, these drug companies purport to have the answer. So we're we're really caught in this vicious cycle, and you know, I don't, you know, the biggest food companies like the Crafts and the General Mills of the world are, you know, are responding with with the kind of food we're all demanding in the marketplace is you know cheap uh, nutrient uh, deficient foods. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I I, I remember uh, I went up to Minnesota here recently with my wife. That's where she's from. And I, I they, there was an apple orchard and I that, that we got apples from. And I bit into this apple and it was so, I mean, you know, it was one of the best apples I've ever had hands down. And so even when we're buying organic or having stuff shipped in from other countries, even if it's organic, it tends to be pretty good. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. How do we go beyond organic? I mean, organic is a certification saying we're not spraying things with chemicals. Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that plant has to be as nutrient dense and as nourishing as possible. What are the ways that we can go beyond organic in our farming to create the ultimately, you know, food like it should be very, very nutrient dense? Yeah, great, great, great question. This is the question of our time right now. So our founder, J.I. Rodale, uh, in 1942, coined the term organic as it's used today. Wow. Uh, our, our mission statement that J.I. Rodale actually wrote it on a chalkboard in May of 1942. And he said that healthy soil equals healthy food equals healthy people. Wow. And that's been our guiding principle for 70 years. But then what's interesting is along came his son, Bob Rodale, Robert Rodale, uh, in the 1970s, Bob Rodale became the leader of Rodale and Rodale Institute, and he was a world traveler, and he would often see the word sustainable, and he, he hated that word. He thought the word sustainability meant everything and nothing. So he began to use the word regenerative agriculture. So our founder, J.I., coined the term organic. His son, Robert, coined the term regenerative agriculture. And Rodale Institute has recently launched the highest bar standard in the food production industry. So we've launched the Regenerative Organic Certification. If you go to regenorganic.org, you can read more about that standard. Um, but you're absolutely right, Dr. X. You know, just because something is certified organic doesn't say anything about how that farmer treated the soil. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't say anything about how the farmer treated the people working in that farming system. And it doesn't say anything about how the animals in that system were, were being treated. So this new high bar standard, Regenerative Organic, it really is a holistic systems-based based approach to farming that 
that focuses first and foremost on soil health, but also on every other component in that system. And the reason for this is that Bob Rodale felt that if we're farming in a regenerative way, uh, well, guess what? The soil gets healthier over time. If the soil gets healthier over, gets healthier over time, the food gets more nutrient dense and the people consuming that food get healthier and the farmer becomes more economically prosperous and the community prospers. Everything in the system gets better over time. It's about continuous improvement. So that's really the next frontier of agriculture is this idea of regenerative. I love it. It's fantastic. And I think, you know, I, I one of the things that, um, you know, Jordan and I and uh, our company, we've been really pressing into is, uh, going beyond organic, even with our own standards, you know, we actually grow, I mentioned this earlier, we grow, um, we, we, we follow, we do the ultra high density grazing and we have our animals going around. We have, uh, zebu, we have, uh, cattle, we have goats, we have sheep, we have a type of a mountain goat. Um, we have, uh, awesome. we have, yeah, we have chickens, we have yaks, we have water buffalo, but all you of these, are kidding me. Yeah, no, we have all of these animals that go through and they feed and fertilize our soil. And on our farm, we actually grow some of the things that now we're going to put in our products like elderberry, like moringa, uh, like some of, the, some of the things we do, our essential oils. But it just anyway, so like I get excited about this because I'm able to see our farm and what we're doing out there and our hemp and CBD products and what we're doing there. But again, regenerative agriculture, it absolutely is the future. And uh, I really hope that more people can, uh, you know, follow the lead uh, that you guys have done with Rodale Institute because it is so important. It's important for our environment. It's important for the health of ourselves and, and generations to come, our legacy. Like I think about, you know, my kids and, and uh, you know, what they're, you know, what they're going to be eating in the future and how important it is for them to have access to this type of food and these sort of ingredients that can go into supplements and that people yes. can get every day. So I just, I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to get down to the farm someday, by the way, I've been hearing a lot about it. Oh um, yeah. You know, if I can encourage one thing of your audience, I think that it's really incumbent upon all of us uh, to get to know a farmer. I think people ask me all the time, Jeff, what can I do? You know, in light of the, the picture you just painted with the depletion of our soils, the decimation of our soils, what can, what can I do? And I would say have a relationship with a farmer, with someone in your, in your community that is stewarding the soil, that is um, doing, doing farming the right way, that is going above and beyond to grow the, the most nutrient-dense foods. We need to become more localized in terms of where we get our food. We need to have a relationship with, with the soil in which our food comes from. And every one of us can do that with the access in farmers markets. I think farmers markets are a growing trend and that excites me here in the United States. I think uh, we are now getting access once again to local farmers that are doing the right thing. And, you know, we all should just take time to get out in nature, get to go, go visit a farm, get to know a farmer, join a CSA. Um, it's a great way to yeah. support um, farmers doing the right thing. Yeah, I totally agree. A CSA is fantastic. You know, Chelsea and I visit a two farmers market here in the Nashville area, the Nashville farmers market and the Franklin farmers market. And we'll buy duck eggs there. We'll buy bones to make our own bone broth. We buy uh, loads of our vegetables there and other things. So I want to encourage everybody, go to your local farmers market, get connected yes. there and know a farmer. Well, Jeff, I want to say, hey, thanks so much for coming on today's broadcast. And I mean, I'm just, again, so excited. And uh, thrilled with what you guys are doing at the Rodale Institute. And uh, hey, thanks so much for coming on and also sharing your health journey and these principles of regenerative agriculture. 
Yeah, well, thank you, uh, Dr. Axe. It's been a true honor and I'm uh, delighted. I would encourage everyone to visit rodelinstitute.org if they wanna go deeper on anything we talked about today. And uh, thank you for all your support and everything you're doing. Hey, you're welcome. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to another uh, episode here. And uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Uh, thanks again to uh, Jeff Ketch for being uh, our guest expert on today's show. Hey, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure to go to my recent Instagram post and let me know what your favorite part of the show was. Also, don't forget to follow me at Dr. Josh Axe there on Insta, where I cover the latest health trends, natural medicine, and so much more. Also, if you're loving this podcast, do me a big favor, head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Thanks so much for being on mission with me. See you next week. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. In some cases, individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein.